talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello, and welcome once again to More Like the Worst Wing, the show where me, Stu, and me, Dave, take to task Aaron Sorkin's seminal TV show, The West Wing, from a 2019 socialist leftist perspective. Today's episode that we'll be discussing is episode five of the second season. It is titled, And It's Surely to Their Credit. Yes, the Gilbert and Sullivan line, which will become quite apropos uh, yes. toward the end of the episode. <laughs> I believe we made a Gilbert and Sullivan reference last episode. Yes, because uh, I remembered uh, and watching confirmed that, yes, this is the one where they literally sing Gilbert and Sullivan, all of yes, our main characters. Um, and like I said, <laughs> this is basically the pre-Hamilton class signifier of, like, I'm Ivy League and, and you know, smarter than you. Is Indeed, there <laughs> is knowing the entire Gilbert and Sullivan catalog. Yes, the and the, what's funny is uh, this is a, a tangent right out the gate here, but like they they almost like riff on it themselves, or they just constantly say they're all about duty. Right. Yeah. Like, like okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's good. Yeah, there are a couple a couple minor political things that happen in this particular episode, but a lot of it is dedicated again and frankly with good reason, to building out the character of Ainsley Hayes. Right, so setting her up to be, you know, a recurring guest star who's going to feature more prominently. Um, And and yeah, just giving her, this is her, you know, she's actually hired now, this is her official first day, and like basically half of the episode is sort of devoted to Ainsley's first day and, and the various events that happened to her. Yep, and so... Actually, I looked her up because I was I was curious about her accent because I spent a lot of my life in the Carolinas mm-hmm. and I was trying to pin it down. It turns out she's a Raleigh native, so it is a mm-hmm. like it's a natural accent. It is absolutely. Her. Yeah, I heard her on the official West Wing podcast and she sounds exactly the same. So Nice. Well, and so the distinction that I've actually kind of brought out is that initially I was like she uses an O that sounds very similar to a Baltimore style O, which mm-hmm. I suppose would be a nice sort of like in in the kind of as you go down the coast from Maryland into North Virginia, North Carolina, and then to South Carolina where they do not mm-hmm. inflect their O in that So like way. she picked it's that like, up from college or something you're thinking? Oh no, I think I think it's a natural North Carolina thing. Like oh, I'd oh, never gotcha. made the distinction before because when I list when I lived there it was just like I I don't know, you know, you talk to a couple people, but mm-hmm. I I do know that they don't use like the really super long O's in South Carolina. So it's interesting to see that it's like it's a, it's a gradation of mm-hmm. that pronunciation up the coast. Anyway, this is completely irrelevant. <laughs> sure, but, but so is most she's... of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and she's a very good like I like her as an actress. I'm yes. I'm warming to her character, even though it's a bit of a cudgel. I and... honestly can't think of too many bad actors or actresses on this. Like every time we criticize someone, we're always criticizing the writing. Like for the most part, I can barely think of anyone who I would call like a bad turned in like a bad performance. Yeah, unless it's, yeah, and honestly, even some of them, it's it's almost like it's deliberate that it's hammy, and I sure. think we'll get into that a little bit. <laughs> Spe- speaking of which, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, let's let's so uh, let's talk about the open here. So the cold open does the typical Sorkin thing, and I've called him on this before, and I'll continue to call him on it again. Of, uh, and I don't want to call it lazy, but it's just this tactic he has for jokes where he s- explains the setup of the joke 
well before the joke happens. So the joke in this case is that the president is going to screw up the radio address. And, like, they basically let you know the joke is going to happen. You know, Donna is worried about it throughout the cold open, and I don't know. It's just an interesting Sor- Sorkin formulaic thing to pick up on. Uh, but yeah. then it, uh, the cold open also introduces us to, uh, lo- or not the cold open, but right afterwards, we introduce to Lionel Tribby, who is head <laughs> uh, head of the White House Counsel's Office, basically chief lawyer. Yeah. Uh, for the White House, uh, played by a chewing all the scenery <laughs> and giant John Larroquette, uh, yeah. who comes storming in with a cricket bat, angry as fuck. It's it's great because <laughs> the dude is like, <laughs> it it's perfectly to like to type, and his he's six foot four and yeah. just like giant poofy hair like all over the place, and so it's it's really um, it sets him up as like immediately as like a bulldog personality. And then they kind of blend that into the rest of his, what will be a relatively brief tenure. Right. He does um, show up in a couple of other episodes. Yeah. Well, and then he gets replaced eventually by Oliver. By, uh, yep. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, who has a very different take on the character and is not mm-hmm. fire and fury, but um, is still, uh, is still good, but we'll get to that one when he shows up. Yep. Anyway, John Larroquette's great. Uh, he mm-hmm. bursts in after uh, we get the kind of the, the sort of the payoff of fucking up the the radio, radio address, address because uh, he's pissed I off would... that. Go ahead. Oh, I'm gonna say he's he's pissed off about a Supreme Court justice. Uh, no, the memo, the Rockland memo, the Rockland uh, which memo, which is which is why the staffers get in trouble later. Um, yeah, there's yes. this there's this. Uh, they testified under oath that, like, they didn't have a memo, but they do have the memo, uh, and so that's basically perjury, uh, and is, is, like, a big deal. Um, so that's sort of one of our subplots of the episode, uh, and is something Ainsley is uh, tasked with dealing with, talking to these two guys, uh, and we'll cover that in a bit here. But I do want to take a moment to say that during the radio address, uh, Bartlett has a group of Democratic donors in, uh, to to watch and it's just like inherent like he even says like uh, you realize all, all these people paid a lot of money to the Democratic Party to be here and you're and you're interrupting their time and like boy just constantly point out how much money equals access huh Bartlett yeah, just like take that mask off every day baby like yeah. just say the quiet part loud over and yeah, over again it's um, like, so oof. and and tribute so actually this was another weird trivia thing that I noticed. Uh, John Larroquette, Lionel Tribby, the general, the house council guy, comes mm-hmm. in and he's bitching because he wants to go on vacation, right? He's supposed to be on right. vacation. And he comes in and he says something about drinks with little straw umbrellas in them. And yeah. it just his character and how and his personality and everything is Uncle Avi from Snatch, which was filming at almost exactly the same time. And he <laughs> delivers exactly the same as it's like, and I want to be on a beach somewhere with fucking cocktails with little straw hats. Yeah. It's just like, this yeah. is so weird. This is freaking me out. Yeah. I am all aboard the team straw umbrellas and drinks, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> for some reason, they do improve the drink and I don't know why, but it's true. It's- <laughs> the true mark of leisure here yeah. is, is having an umbrella in your drink. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so we get, we get more of Tribby as we go on, but then our other, I guess, main plot point is really yeah. that um, this general uh, is retiring, this three-star general, I forget his name, um, but he is retiring and he's about to go on all the Sunday shows, and Toby informs CJ about this, like, hey... 
did you know that this general who's kind of mad at the administration because he thinks that military readiness isn't as up to snuff as it should be is going to go on the Sunday shows and trash Bartlett and call him like a weak coward who's never served in the military and, and this kind of BS and, you know, just kind of be a bad PR for the administration kind of moment. So CJ is tasked with kind of talking to him and trying to dissuade him from doing this. Yeah, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to say that like CJ's, CJ's parts and lines in this episode are just, are fucking spectacular. Yeah, like, she spits fire. She, she is taking none of these military people's shit. Like it, yeah. it uh, I really owns. love the way she interacts with the <laughs> lieutenant who, yeah. so, so at first she wants, she calls over his office and says, hey, can I come talk to him? And he sends, like, a fucking lowly lieutenant to go deal with it. And she immediately picks up on the insult that this is. Uh, and is just having zero of this dude's shit. And my favorite part of civilians dressing down military guys is that the lieutenant has to keep calling her ma'am yeah. the whole time. And it makes him look like a total fucking goober. Uh, as she's just constantly ripping into him. And he has to be like, yes, but ma'am, but ma'am, but ma'am. And it's just like, well, ma'am, can I speak to your manager, ma'am? Ma'am. Well, and and n- nothing, and again, I'm, I don't mean to speak for all my veteran friends here, but like nothing, nothing owns a military person harder than having to refer to a civilian in terms that you would use for a superior For superior, officer. right, because she outranks him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fucking great. It's called ring and run. Ma'am, go back to the Pentagon right now. Tell General Barry C.J. Craig says he's a coward. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so it's just fantastic. You know, he just wants to rip into her, but like they've drilled so much military respect for your superior into him that he can't. So yeah. it's great, yeah. and, and it's just like so. She tells him the fuck off, and yeah. then like eventually, we can. I mean, there's nothing really else that comes out as the no, play not of this really. Thing. I just wanted so, to mention like, that that particular dynamic. Well, and he comes. He eventually shows up in person. The general to, himself. The yes. general blows through her door into her office and yells at her about it. You know, it's like he never fucking, stops yelling. By the way, he's just like uh, in one hundred percent yell talk mode. Well, and it's one hundred percent a caricature too. And again, yeah. we're sort of we're we're sort of learning how the writers employ these one offs as like um like a really like a, a stereotype and a, almost a cudgel mm-hmm. to get the point across. Where it's like mm-hmm. he comes in and he yells and he's fucking like. You know, he's he's Arlie Army, basically, right. just like screaming yes. about military readiness or whatever. And she just kind of comes back at his ass with some facts and then, then pulls out right. the blackmail piece. Yeah, the, the fucking, like, it's not just enough that she debates him on the merits of his argument. <laughs> like, and she did, and she did a fucking fine job of it. Yes, yes she held then, her own, basically. Yeah, like, that could have been enough to sell the point of, like... This guy's stupid and is, like, obsessed with military funding because, of course he is, because that's what generals get obsessed with. Uh, and her just explaining, like, look, these stupid bases you're bitching about are, like, on peacekeeping missions and you're worried about them not mobilizing enough for a second war uh, that we might have to fight one day. And ha <laughs> Right. And, but one year from the date this show aired... Right, Ooh, we would indeed be in two wars, <laughs> uh, but which doesn't degrade her point any. No, you no, know, no. like I mean, this guy on, is bitch, taking time. taking two outlier bases and using it as a, like, oh, the military doesn't have enough money, which is of course ridiculous. Uh, and I don't think the listeners of this particular podcast need us to go into too much detail yep. about nope. why that's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but then, 
So the cherry on top is she pulls out the fact that he is wearing a stolen Valor fucking medal that he never earned because this general <laughs> is such an idiot cartoon character evil guy that he would go and do that just so she can further discredit him even more. Yeah. And which, it's just ridiculous. It, and sort of like in my brain. This guy again, is it, it a three-star general. You really think he's going to fucking wear stolen exactly. Valor medals? Like, fucking exactly. A. It, like, it doesn't detract from the point that the, the thing is making, but it's like, this is... This would never. This man's been in the military for happen. his entire life. Are you fucking kidding yeah, me? This like, would literally this literally never happen. This shit gets pulled by janitors who buy a fucking Bronze Star <laughs> at a goddamn garage sale. Like, it yeah. doesn't get pulled by fucking three-star generals. Yeah, like, who, who've been in the military, have done their thirty years or whatever, and it's like, right? The, and the the type of, especially. You know, when you get up into, like, administrative He's, he's got like 20 the, other medals that he actually legit earned on his fucking lapel. You really think he's going to put one fake one on there? Like, and, and also, like, the, the attention to detail that these type of, like, these type of type A military... It's like... Right. You, like, they have to align their shoelaces correctly. Right. Like, <laughs> like you will never on. find somebody who is blatantly, like, disobeying ranks. It's, it's, like, it's just... And we'll get into this, too, when we get into the staffers that Ainsley has to talk to. It's just making these people cartoonishly evil so that we can, we, the audience can be like, Oh, obviously our main characters are in the right here, even though they argued fine on the merits, you know, it's like they have to go that one step beyond. Yeah. And I mean, I guess as, as much as granted, you know, we are extremely cynical watching this in 2019 back then, you know, airing it in, a a serial format where you can't go back and rewatch it like at uh, on your whim right. basically like okay i i guess i understand like the technique of having to make it so explicit mm-hmm. that this is the problem or or right. whatever it is like but it's weird because the show the show wants to have its both ways of like the show wants to be considered smart and like for smart people but then we'll pull, like, this kind of stuff that's very lowest common denominator, yeah. <laughs> essentially, of, like, do you get it? Do you get he's bad? Do you get it? <laughs> yeah, they say show, don't tell. And it's like, all right, all right, we've been showing for, like, four minutes. We're into the But now we tell. have to tell. <laughs> like, it, it is very, you guys are definitely telling me now. Right. You know, you've left show behind a while ago. So, so uh, that basically wraps up that particular plot arc uh, of... And really, I do want to stress that basically nothing happens this episode. (laughs) Like, nothing political happens. This thing with the general ends up not mattering at all because eventually the president just goes, eh, let him say whatever anyway, who cares? So, like, CJ's job of trying to keep him off the Sunday shows is is basically irrelevant. Well, and uh, again, it's in service of her development. Yes, and, you know... Not for nothing, we do get yeah. good character CJ building stuff here. Um, and also, we get good Leo building stuff here, I think, with him just kind of being, like, helpful and nice to Ainsley on her first day is, like, more of the, like, building up the charm of Leo that I feel like yeah. we we bitched a lot about early Leo, <laughs> not, not having any of it. Well, yeah, um, and so let's let's take a break quick, and then we can yes. really, we can dive in on Ainsley, because that's the other main yes. portion of this episode. All right, and then, so let's get back to the Ainsley plotline. So as I said, this is basically her first day, um, and she shows up. She gets to meet Lionel Tribby while he's running in screaming with his cricket bat. So, you know, not the best first impression. Uh, But then they they talk, and he gives her the task of 
dealing with these two staffers who lied about this Rockford memo uh, under oath to um, some Republican congressional committee, essentially, during a deposition. Uh, and he says, okay, so go to these guys and, and get this solved by having them, like, apologize or, or something like that. And she goes, okay, I'll take care of it. Uh, and she goes over to them and says, hey, guys, you know, just go and make, like, a nice, you know, decorum statement about how, oops, we made a mistake and we're sorry. And this will all blow over, no problem. Uh, and these guys, again, in the vein of being cartoonishly evil... Uh, decide that this is the greatest offense that has ever happened to them uh, and decide to retaliate by sending her a bouquet of dead flowers with a card that says bitch uh, to her office for her to discover and break down crying. Yes, indeed. And so, like, these dudes, we don't, I mean, we don't really, they're just staffers. Yeah, they're brand new. They're brand new and we'll never see them again, clearly. But it's, first of all, their boss, I think they work in the fucking consoles. Oh, no, no, no. Or or, no, 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 no. Tribby. You're right. Well, you're right. They work for trip. But Sam is up the chain from them. So like that that was right. a little confused. But anyway, they they also work in the council's office. Yeah, they are co work direct co workers. She is, Ainsley, she is doing this on behest of their of boss. Their, of their mutual all of boss. Their boss. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So it's like This is so easy to fix, we are gonna pick up yardage. Write a short note, have it delivered by messenger to the majority council, and copy the chairman and the speaker. Your first act on the job is asking us to apologize to the Republicans on the Governmental Affairs Committee. And the Speaker of the House, Steve. Because they didn't like our attitude? Yeah, I know this doesn't look good. But the fact is, it's the smart thing to do. And if you don't do it at my suggestion, I know Lionel Trivi is going to come down here and you're going to have to do it at his. I have work to do. Yeah. I'm literally trying to just help you out here. It's not help all of us out. Yeah, really. Like to avoid this potential investigation. And they get super offended. And I think it's because she's it, the 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 what we're meant to take away is that she's a Republican and fuck her. Uh, well, I think more specifically, given that they send the bitch card, it's that she's a woman speaking to men, and and they took it, you know, poorly because they're misogynists. The yeah. I, like, because I think that's the, I think that's what they're going for here, where, you know, because at first Sam is mad at her, too, and then, you know, she kind of has her mini breakdown with Sam, where she's like, can you just not be rude to me, because, like, I've had a very rough day, and then Sam finds out exactly why she's had a rough day, because the staffer sent her the bitch bouquet, and, and realizes what's up, and then he's willing to defend her, um... So I think it's meant to be like, look, it's just these two guys who are like who are, who are misogynist bros yeah, okay. who can't handle a strong woman. And I don't like Sam's mad at her for being a Republican, but then even Sam realizes that these guys have gone like a level beyond. Yeah, and I think like honestly at that point, and again because the the caricature is played out like so heavy handedly, it honestly right. it honestly doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter right. what they're pissed off about, or... Right, they just got they got irrationally angry over something that is completely irrational to get angry yeah, about, absolutely. you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know. we, 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 get, we get Ainsley walking back into her office, and she hadn't even found or seen this... this... Please, call it the proper name. Oh, yes. Steam Pipe Trunk distribu- 
distribution venue. <laughs> yes. So she she returns she returns to the steam pipe trunk distribution venue where her desk is, and she finds this uh, a bouquet of dead flowers with a card on it that says "bitch." And Sam right. Sam happens to be like coming in behind her. He was coming with her. Yeah. Because because he was like. They were involved in an argument. Well, because he was being he was being pissy at her or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so you know. He goes down to sort of apologize and finds her in the office with this fucking, like, bouquet. And he's like, who did this? And she's like, I right. can't say anything. He says, and it's basically, he's just like, I know. And he storms yeah, up like, to the office. Who do you th- who do you think did it? It's her first day and she's interacting right, yeah. with all of three people. <laughs> do you think Tribby did it? It certainly wasn't John like, Marquette. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is not a long list of suspects here, Sam. Yeah, and so he, like... But, yeah, so he storms into their office and fucking fires them in a very dramatic and showy and TV kind of way. Yep. Um, and, you know, and that's and that's sort of the end of it. And, well, not really, because then we get the big Gilbert and well, Sullivan so ending. The, the thing is that Tribby, like, the initial interaction with him and Ainsley was them... You know, being bitchy about her, she's Republican. He's like, right. he's like, what the? Why are you here? Is it? Do you have some sense of duty or something? He's like, this isn't Pirates of Penzance. <laughs> you know, or you like, what is this? Some, I'm an English man type of thing. And she deadpans like, that's from HMS Pinafore, bitch. And he's basically like, uh, 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 no. Oh, owned. Uh, no. <laughs> As I shrink into a corn cob. <laughs> exactly. He's like, uh, no, you have you have not owned me, your boss. Um, and so it, it culminates in this thing where he backs up Sam firing these motherfuckers and right. then walks outside to, to like continue his rounds, I guess, or whatever. And <laughs> Sam goes out after him and is like, after a brief exchange, he's like, it is Pinafore. And Trippy's like, no, no, it's Pinafore. tricks with umbrellas. And so the episode eventually, like the, the, where the ultimate scene is Ainsley comes to work the next day and Mm -hmm. like Sam rushes out of Josh's office when they find out that she's in the building because they have set up because they've set up her office with like some nice posters and like have a little thing playing in the background. They got her some real flowers and she and Toby and Sam and Josh and CJ all sit there and like shake hands, like pat each other on the back because they want to be welcoming to their team member. Right. Well, it's like, you know, well, boy, yesterday you sure you sure underwent a sexism, so we decided to throw you this little Gilbert and Sullivan theme party to make you feel better. And, you know, like, to, to validate that you are right and Lionel Trippy's wrong. And, right. you know, it's, it's a very, it's, it's a TV moment. It's sweet, and it's yep. cute, and it's schmaltzy, yep. and, you know, it's TV pablum, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, and it's funny because... There is a scene earlier where they're arguing over which musical the song is from. And Toby just says, can I just register for a minute that I don't care? He is an Englishman. It's from Pinafore. Trippy says it's from Penzance, by the way. It's from Pinafore. He says it's the one about duty. They're all about duty. I want to be very clear. I could give a damn. Yeah. Yeah, I don't give a damn. <laughs> and Leo goes, "Yeah, it's a great, it's a great little moment." Because, yeah, like, frankly, neither do I, Toby. Yeah, exactly. Toby's a hundred percent the right cool, here. Cool man. Like, I'm not. I'm not. Toby's out to, going off to work on work on something off screen and just doesn't want to deal with this shit. I'm, I'm not out to like sig- class signify here. I do not care which particular musical this song is from. <laughs> nor, nor am I going to stake like 
the, my my state of being owned or not on whether I can identify the right. musical. It's not my identity. Yeah. It's funny because we get the idea that like John John Larroquette's Tribby is like a fucking bear of a man who takes no prisoners, but then is so tripped up by this one small correction. <laughs> yeah. You know, like when normally when he would, you would think he'd just be like, fine, whatever, and move on. Well, and like so. And actually, to dig in on that a little bit, there's a scene where they mentioned that, or she, Ainsley, intuits that he thinks that the president is too moderate. Correct. Which is awesome, because, like, if, you're, if your counsel is, like, a warrior for these, you know, she names a couple progressive causes like gay rights. And mm-hmm. and if, if the counsel is a warrior for her, and it's like, he's going to be coming down on the right side of protecting the liability of the White House every time. Like, he will be he'll be coming out swinging, literally, with a cricket bat, right. you know, for, for <laughs> these political issues, too. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that, yeah, that is a... It's barely mentioned, but yeah. Yep. Uh, she, does, she does bring up, like, hey, you, you know, something called you here, too, because you were, you know, pushing really hard on the left in, in your private life and then decide to come work for this guy who you think is moderate, so... Yep. Were you not also called by duty, Indeed. essentially? And and based on that, you know, kind of makes the point, you know, very finely. Yep. And we have one more thing. Oh, yeah. A couple other things, actually. <laughs> is is uh, anything? We can't... Uh, I want to talk about horny presidents. Well, God, I'm 100% on board to talk about horny presidents, so let's, <laughs> let's do it. Let's, let's talk about that yeah. real quick. So, the best... This is... Very, all, all, I'll just say right up front that all of this is funny and good, uh, and is great character work here. And but it's ze- there's zero politics to any of it, and you could literally plop it into any sitcom, and it would work just as well. But it's just funnier because it is the president. Yep. I guess. So we get Charlie, uh, and Ab- Abby shows up out of nowhere to talk to Charlie uh, to drop some health facts on him about the president's health after he's recovered from being shot. You know, it's been 14 weeks. We find out. Uh, and his vitals are good enough that, uh, in Abby's words, uh, we can have sex now. <laughs> and uh, Charlie and, says, and so we get. Go, no, yeah, you, sorry. Go no, ahead. Say, he's he's taking a note because she's dictating <laughs> right. to him that he's things that he's supposed to say to the president, and he opens like even before he gets into the sex thing, he's like he kind of deadpans that he's confused about like what what he's supposed to be, who he's supposed <laughs> to be talking about, and at the end she says, "And we can have sex now." And Charlie raises his eyebrows and goes, "Like, can we?" Is that you and Is me? You and, me? <laughs> and she goes, "Go, get out of here." And Why so we I get a great, a great, be- <laughs> a great beat of Charlie walks off. Abby just kind of sits there for a moment, knowing <laughs> very yeah. well that the president will be here quite shortly. Uh, and and then the president runs in, like, "Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, really? Really? Okay, great. Okay, great. Uh, let's go uh, right now." Miss <laughs> Lanningham, tell them that I'm the fuck out I'm of going here. somewhere. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we get horny president's quest to have sex with his wife uh, as a subplot throughout the episode. So they try to schedule it out. He's still trying to do the goddamn radio fucking read from the cold open uh, and realizes that, oops, his window is closing for uh, for sexy times. So he... <laughs> like, he, like he abandons He tells it. all the children. Yeah. There are children there, and he goes right up to the children, and he's like, uh, I've got a special meeting of the government uh, that I have to go to, but I'll be back, and I'll be very calm <laughs> afterwards. And he storms out the door, and Charlie gets another like comedic relief where he's like... <laughs> 
she's not there, sir. And he's like, no, I'm going to an important meeting. He says, yes, sir, of the, the government. government. <laughs> which, is, which is awesome. He turns around, he's like, son That's of good. a bitch, like, I can't do it. And Charlie's like, would you like to give the radio address another go? He's like, he's uh, like wipe that fucking smirk <laughs> off your face. Because <laughs> yeah, both Charlie and Donna knows what's up. So it's like, yeah. And then this culminates in they actually get some time alone because they screw up the timeline at the end of the day or whatever. And it turns out that Abby... She has to go off to Pennsylvania for a statue dedication of Nellie Bly. Uh, And then she comes back from that and they're they're about to finally get into it and she's like, I'm going to the bathroom to put on a special garment. And he's like, hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, And while she's in the bathroom, he's like, who? Where where were you off to anyway in Pennsylvania? And she explains about the statue of Nellie Bly and he makes a dismissive comment about like, oh, who gives a fuck about that? You should just staff that out to someone. Uh, And Bartlett here has made the classic blunder of if a if a woman's about to have sex with you, shut Shut the the fuck fuck up, up. dude. Just say nothing. (laughs) Literally nothing will help you in this situation. Yeah. And and so So he he decides to put his foot entirely into his mouth and she comes out uh, pissed about the fact that he's basically, you know, degraded what she's gone and done with her day Um, and and minimize the importance of of Nellie Bly. And she goes on a little rant about, well, you know, Nellie Bly checked herself into a mental institution for 10 days so that she could report about the awful way we fucking treat people Which, with mental fun, health issues fact, in this country. Fun fact is right on the other side of the river from me on Roosevelt Island. Hmm. Still exists. I think it's luxury apartments now, but the building is still oh. there. Oh boy, that, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Imagine like the bad juju of living yeah, there. Oh no shit. <laughs> So um, they they do this thing and like um, they and Abby like starts in on a lecture talking about other famous women and he's just like sitting there quietly and, sipping and scotch. he's like oh no yeah. oh I've I've done and worked it up now <laughs> and then it culminates with he gives this radio address he just completely flips the script on it and gives a radio address about important and influential women right it was about like you know oh fall is approaching and the leaves are turning and just kind of this generic BS uh, and he swips and he swaps the topic around to be about the important women of society and, and how they don't get recognized nearly as often as the important men of society. Yep. No Emma Goldman, no Rosa Luxemburg, no Asada Shakur, no Ella Baker, no yeah, the, no socialist women in that list, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> they did their best. This, this is a show for the libs. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so he gives a, he gives the address and literally, like, takes off the headphones from recording. And it's like, am I out of the doghouse now? And they're like, yeah, let's go bone. <laughs> yeah. While, while the sound guy is yeah. there, which is just kind of funny, too. Like, it's not just them in the room <laughs> yeah. anymore. Yeah. Which is funny. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of just like the then, comic relief went through the. Yeah, uh, but I do want to bring it up because it's very, it's all well executed. Uh, Martin Sheen and um, Stocker Channing both do great job, and like they have a fun little back and forth chemistry together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's just always just fun to watch on screen. She's, ama- she's um, amazing. She's like amazing every time. Like. I guess I shouldn't have said there's zero politics because it does get into this, you know, important women topic. But the the main plot itself of just like we can have sex now is basically just a sitcom plot. Well, and it's, um, it's and and they and they do a good job with and, it. So you know, it's fun to watch. It also subtly reinforces the messages from the rest of the characters in the show because the this episode is all about CJ's development and Ainsley's development. 
So right, it's it's definitely more character focused because, as I said, literally nothing happens. Well, um, and, yeah. in terms of plot movement, T- tying back the powerful women thing to the powerful women that, as they exist in the West Wing currently, yeah. is like Th- it's you know a what? Nice when subtle, you put it that way, it's a nice yeah. subtle little appreciative dig there. So yeah, it's much better than like the heavy-handed these women thing, yeah. you know, uh, from season one of like of like we have to call attention to like boy, aren't these women so great? Like you, when you put it that way, this is a much more subtle and well-done version of that. Yeah, absolutely. Of, of just focusing on them without telling us that we're that you're doing mm-hmm. it, you know? Yeah, showing, not telling, baby. It's that easy. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that wraps that up. And then let's take one more quick break and we can get into the last little subplot here uh, and any final thoughts we have. The last sort of... Mm, it, it doesn't take up a lot of screen time, but it is important to the serial uh, plot lines of the episode is... Sam and Josh are trying to figure out, with Toby's help, um, an avenue to go after the attackers, or you know, the people basically who sponsored the attack West, on the uh, presidential West Virginia motor- White Pride. motorcade. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they're they're going through some ideas, and Sam has an epiphany early on. So okay, we have to tie I'll, in. I'll that let you the epif- take it through. Sorry, the epiphany comes from the fact that so we haven't discussed that in the cold open. Josh is worried about an insurance bill from. The shooting from his, you know, the medical cost of being nearly killed of repairing, you know, his collapsed lung and two bullet wounds and all that shit. Uh, So he has a $50,000 bill from his insurance and, you know, presumably has the very good insurance that the fucking higher up, uh, you know, White House House staff gets. Uh, And even he (laughs) is having giant insurance issues. But this topic is completely fucking abandoned. Uh, The second uh, Sam says, well, it looks like Josh is going to have to sue the insurance companies. And this is his, you know, I like to call it the House 950 epiphany moment of like, oh, sue. We could sue the white supremacists. <laughs> yeah, you, you see him go John Forbes National. These numbers start flying around in his, in his <laughs> yeah. imagination. It's yeah, like, it's oh the hangover, God. you know, equations <laughs> yeah, exactly. up here kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So he has this epiphany and he goes out and he's like, we're going to, you know, we're going to take a civil, like, take him to court civilly this is, instead yeah. of a criminal complaint. Instead of, instead of what Toby was trying to do of throw out the entire Bill of Rights to go after these people, why don't we just sue the fuck out of them civilly, uh, which is totally legal and not Bill of Rights uh, intrusive, apparently. Yeah, and I don't really know how that fine uh, so, of distinction works. Yeah, well, I don't know either, but I'll trust that the show is being somewhat accurate on this. Accurate, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of, it is generally much easier to sue civilly than criminally for these kinds of things. Uh, yeah. Generally, you know, the U.S. will allow pretty much any lawsuit, you know. <laughs> Uh, we are very civilly, litigious. You know, frivolous, <laughs> you know, you hear a lot about frivolous lawsuits, but not a lot get thrown out as frivolous. It's pretty hard to be thrown out as frivolous, um, particularly when you have a legit claim like Josh does here, you know, for actual medical bills and then, you know, punitive damages of and, you know, like emotional compensatory damage, that kind of stuff of like, yeah. hey, he's two of your people of your organization fucking shot me, you know? So, well, and, and the idea is also to tie it to a broader liability, like where they can right. go organizationally. The goal, the goal, as Sam lays it out here, is basically that they'll get to depose anyone who's ever been to a meeting. They'll get to get the, you know, get them on the stand making, you know, official statements that like, yes, I do support white supremacy and, and this will essentially ruin them. He's sort of, it's in a weird way, it's like advocating for the doxing of Nazis online, you know, 
in in sort of a more legal formal setting yeah like it uh, that they want to bring like bring um what's it called like bring the sunshine bring the spotlight on them yeah Yeah, the the spotlight onto them so they're exposed and i think they they go back and forth on like how to do it or whatever but it eventually winds up that he's like we we can't we can't do this because then i think sam's claim or sam's concern will end up being that the the discovery standards will apply equally to the white house right um and also josh josh basically says like i don't want to treat it like i slipped in their driveway uh, which, which is stupid fucking crazy which is yeah. stupid <laughs> as fuck because no uh <laughs> You didn't. You didn't go on their property and have an accident. They came to you and shot you. And we literally, like, he just got done with this. Like, we were saying the word frivolous. It's like no, slipping and falling on someone's driveway and suing them. That's the frivolous right. lawsuit. Your complaint is entirely legitimate. You almost died. Absolutely. So you know, even if you don't want to take it as full as like you know, the entire organization and suing hundreds of people or whatever. What about just that specific chapter? You know, what about, you know, just, you know, the insurance of those guys? Yeah, there's an entity that exists that you could go after. There's some money out there funding these people that you can fucking try to take down legally. But Josh, Josh's reason for dismissing it is very stupid. And they, they shout out the SPLC, which is amazing yes. work, like mad props to the yes. SPLC. And this is 20 years ago. Like they're still, they're still going, they're still on that bullshit, yep. which is amazing. Excellent. Um, and then eventually they wind up not fucking doing anything. The West Wing. The West Wing. <laughs> Jazz um, hands. <laughs> well, and, and it's also, they make another glib sort of throwaway joke being like, you can still sue the insurance company. And Josh is like, hell yeah, I can. And I will. Right. Or whatever, like because yeah, that's that's like, how we deal with healthcare in America. <laughs> yeah, and like you had this literally like a golden opportunity. Right. Here's a fucking <laughs> like. Gr- this would have been a great plot line to be like, wow. Even Josh, who is deputy White House chief of staff and presumably has like gold or platinum insurance tier level, is being slapped with this. And even Toby brings it up, like, oh, what? He was supposed to call the automated hotline when he got shot to find exactly. an in-network hospital. Like, yes, Toby. Yes, this is a great point, That's and exactly I wish the show yeah. had fucking dug in on this at all. But they instead they use it as an excuse to to sue the KKK. Yeah, and I did. Oh, I just, it's so frustrating because you can see the potential there for like an yeah. actual, you know, we shine some light on how fucking fucked up insurance it for profit insurance is. You know, oh, and I mean, this was this was back in the this was pre dark ages. You know, yeah, like, like yeah, when, real I'm, shit. You know, <laughs> when did when did Sicko the movie come out? I'm actually gonna go- Google this right now. Okay, yeah, yeah 2007. Because, so this is way yeah. pre Sicko. Because that was the first thing that kind of opened my eyes personally on, like, how fucked insurance was. Because before then, you know, I was just a kid. I didn't know how insurance worked. Um, Yeah. So that was the first thing of, like, holy shit, these many people are getting fucking denied? Like, isn't this the whole point of insurance? And it's (laughs) like, oops, nope, turns out the point of insurance is to make money, son. (laughs) Yeah. And they they just completely elite it from yeah. their, what what they continue, what they would consider to be the show's canon of liberal lefty causes. Right, and we'll and, we will hear basically nothing about healthcare uh, on this show. Um, you know, the, their big policy proposals end up being about col- making college cheaper, not free, cheaper. Which we'll dig into that plenty when we get to that particular episode. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, we we never hear like a major healthcare proposal out of this fictional administration. Which is just awful because right. it, yeah. it really just shows like you know the the uh, the liberal ideal of, of what is possible is so fucking small and narrow minded. You know they 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 can't possibly picture a, a, a great big sweeping change that would actually improve people's lives. Just technocratically adjusting the dials a little bit till we dial <laughs> it in perfectly. Yep, looking back at the audience and being like. How's this for a copay? Right. Is this a good copay? <laughs> turning the copay aisle. As yeah, I, turning the co- like, copay I look dial. back to the audience yeah. like I'm on the prices, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. That's that, pretty much it. That wraps it up. Um, any final thoughts? I think there is the there is the scene at the end of the movie where they like they're singing fucking an Englishman mm-hmm. in Ainsley's office. And mm-hmm. so this is considered to be kind of like we are accepting of this woman after right. kind of milking Here's a show the of solidarity. Of Here's like, hey, you know, we're with you. You know, you went through a bunch of shit yesterday. Yeah, and she's around for a while from here on out. Correct. So. Um, yeah, and uh, oh boy, I wanted, I do want our listeners to just make mental note of remembering that in this episode, uh, Sam defends her from sexism in a very sort of white knighty way. Uh, mm-hmm. Keep that in mind for when Sorkin will have his straw feminist uh, show up and criticize Sam for being sexist. Well, uh, yes. is, uh, which will happen I think that's not till a later season but boy yeah, I can't wait down the road. I can't wait to dig into that so I just want listeners to keep this moment in mind for when we get to that moment so there's also a note uh, just uh, seeing in the wiki when I looked up the character that her she was initially modeled after Ann Coulter which yeah. just it the 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 how far gone Ann Coulter is now like <laughs> To me, like contemporaneously, there is, I have no bearing on Ann Coulter as an influence for this character. Right. Because, like. Because this one is the mythical, reasonable Republican. Exactly. That we can actually work with, you know. Who doesn't, of course, exist, but let's not even bother getting into that. But yeah, you you can tell these, at least physically, she is meant to be like an Ann Coulter XP, you know. Yep. She uh, actually, she is listed here in the wiki again as having gotten her undergraduate degree from Smith college. I don't know if Liz listens that comes to the show. Yeah. Oh, nice. But shout out to Smith college. What mm-hmm. up? <laughs> um, that comes up yeah. later when, um, and I'm going to, we're going to dig into this when this happens, when she gets all upset about the equal rights amendment, mm-hmm. um, because she thinks the 14th amendment was good enough for, or something stupid like that. <laughs> uh, but we'll dig into that when that episode comes up. Um, but yeah. yeah, that wraps up this episode. The next one is going to be episode six entitled The Lame Duck Congress. Mm. Um, with uh, This is where the drunken Ukrainian member of parliament shows up, if you remember that. I don't, with, but shouts to my Yukis. Yeah, it, um, I remember it being quite... It's a comedy relief kind of subplot. And then uh, it's a new nuclear test ban treaty. Mm. Um, is our main focus of that particular episode. So that should be interesting to dig into. Um, But in in the meantime, uh, if you've enjoyed, feel free to drop a comment in the thread. We always appreciate feedback and engagement. Uh, If you'd like to email the show, you can email us at theworstwing69 at (laughs) gmail.com. Nice. And shout-outs to Citations Needed. (laughs) For their 69th episode, (laughs) which was indeed quite nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, I'm going to put in a plug here. Go find the something awful Patreon. Low taxes spine needs you. Yeah, uh, he's doing quite well. Um, it quite it exploded uh, over the yeah. last like twenty four hours. So, 
Uh, there are very many rich and generous goons, and we thank you all for keeping our forums alive. If I had money, I would donate myself, but I'm poor as shit. <laughs> I am uh, a shit poster till I die, so I contribute quite heavily, we, and I'm happy to do it. Uh, it's important we keep the goon community together, because in the post-apocalypse, goons are my only hope. You know, we're going <laughs> to all have to form together. And we'll That's form a my little, wasteland militia. It, yeah, like, we'll form a little goon goons. commune, and, uh, <laughs> you know. We even have a call and response ready of, you know, do you have stairs in your house? Like, <laughs> yeah. to identify each other out on the battlefield. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but that's a brilliant shibboleth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've, got, wing, we've got it pre- <laughs> pretty set up already. So, um, so thank all you right. all for listening. Thanks and, for listening. And we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Send all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along. So love me, love me, love me, 